Welcome back, everybody. It's enough. I'm your host, Derek, and I'm here with my main man, Justin. Justin, what's up? What's going on, Derek? Oh, man, nothing much. Uh, Gotta say, I I didn't think we would be here again. (laughs) (laughs) With the motto of, let's prepare for the worst. You thought that was behind us? I thought it was behind us. <laughs> I, 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 I have accepted. <laughs> I, ha- I have accepted that, you know, that, you know, I have to go back to what I said at the beginning of the year. Like, the way this roster was put together um, versus what the goals for the year should be it really boiled down to who here is playing for a job in a Bulls uniform for next year. Like that was the, that was my thought about this year moving forward. And um, I, I thought that we would be past that. I thought that, you know, by getting rid of how many guys they get rid of like five. Yeah. Uh, man, I just pulled that number right out of, I didn't have it memorized. I was like, you know, five sounds like a good number. Of guys that you can get rid of and turn something around. And, you know, we still have yet to see who on this roster is going to be a fit move. Uh, um, I thought about them concentrating on those five guys that we had that, you know, they would start turning in the in the right direction. But it's we still have some people on this roster who do not belong here. <laughs> So, um, yeah, I, I I thought that we would be able to get that situated as well as still being able to uh, be in playoff contention. We are still in playoff contention, but we're on the outside looking in. So right now it, it is what it is. Like the Bulls have dug themselves this hole. And, you know, if they have any pride, they're going to go out and, and really try to push to make the playoffs, but I haven't seen much from this squad that shows that they have that pride game to game, possession to possession. So it it remains to be seen. Yeah, we are sitting one game back from the last play-in spot um, from the Wizards by one game, and you know, we we were tempted for a while, and you know the the Wizards looked like they weren't going to do anything this season, and then all of a sudden Westbrook and Bill start clicking, and now we're trailing them. Yeah, I mean, you know, I it did look like the Wizards weren't really going anywhere, but you had Russ who missed from the team, so you you didn't have. Um, Beal and and Westbrook really playing together that much and developing that camaraderie on the court. But, you know, you're still talking about two all-star caliber players. Um, And if you give those guys enough time to 
work out the kinks, things are going to be looking, starting to go upright for them. They also had some injuries. They lost their starting center, uh, Bertans, who they got gave that contract to in the um, last year. Uh, he got hurt and missed some time. Uh, their draft pick, um, been targeting this year. He wasn't very successful, didn't have much of an impact, and now he's hurt for the year. But, you know, when you have two all-stars on the team and you give them enough time, it would be a shot for that team to actually, uh, you know, make some noise in the playoffs. Now, why that hasn't happened for the Bulls yet since they have two all-star caliber players, I don't know. Um, But you know, no, there's still time left for them to write what's been going on for this year. They just got to put in the effort and, and do it. Yeah. Well, I, I think, well, what has to happen for the Bulls is because, you know, the Russ, was he traded like the beginning of the season to the Wizards or was it the offseason? Uh, Westbrook was over the offseason. Okay. So they had like the whole pregame um whole season to just now start clicking. Vucevic came over at the trade deadline, which didn't leave many games left, and Zach's now been out um what five or six games due to uh, the COVID health situations. Yeah, you know, I get that, but it's like also, I mean, you're talking about basketball one-on-one. Get the ball to your best players. <laughs> um, pass guy in the post who has an advantage <laughs> over everybody that that he goes <laughs> up against. Like that shit. Um, but you know, like I was texting you um a couple of days ago during. Who were they playing recently? It was um, it was, it was the Miami. Heat. Yeah. yeah, I was <laughs> like, how is it that you know they can they can be clicking throughout a game and then all of a sudden a team applies a little bit of pressure and they forget how to dribble the ball and how to pass the ball in like in sequence with one another? Like I don't understand how that's, but yeah, like. Throughout the year, like you've seen many of occasions where this Bulls team doesn't recognize mismatches. They don't get the ball to their to the hot hand that's going. Um, they take ill-advised shots. And it's it's really just about ball recognition and and just playing playing smart. You know like the, the good teams team. in the NBA, and they don't take that many possessions around this time of the year. Like they know that every single possession is going to count, just like it's it's going to count in the playoffs once you get there, if you get there. Um, so, you know, I get it that it hasn't there hasn't been a lot of time for Zach and um, Vucevic to really, you know, get get their stuff together yet. But, like, this Bulls team just has a lot of bad habits. And, again, I thought that those habits were going to be um, really, really addressed when they got rid of five players on there. But, you know, we still have a couple of guys who just, 
for whatever reason, continue to make stupid mistakes. So coincidentally, <laughs> this game where you text me, they did end up winning. And beating I know. <laughs> like something got into them where they were like, okay, um, if we just play it with a little bit of effort and play smart, don't turn the ball over, recognize the mismatches. That's one thing that I've seen with this team the entire year. They will create mismatches, but it's like they – they blow them all the time or they don't recognize them with enough enough time for the person who has the mismatch to be able to get the ball or they pass it at an angle that it doesn't make sense um, to be able to address the mismatch. Like if you have Laurie and I, again, I know maybe Laurie just doesn't like to, but if you have him in the post, like, why are you trying to make an entry pass with a bounce pass? Like, the guy is a seven-footer. If you're trying to throw it to him in traffic, throw the ball at a height and be able to shoot. Like, that's just, I don't know, that just seems like common sense to me. And I'm not a basketball player. But, um, yeah, it's just recognizing those different things and being able to who you are um, offensively and being able to attack your strengths, you know, that that's just something that this team continues. They're going to continue to have to address this uh, moving with the past, the next couple of days or the next couple of games that they have, if they're really serious about. Right. And, you know, um, you said something got into them. That would have been Vooch and Daniel Tice, both uh, putting up over 20 points and grabbing 10 rebounds apiece. Yeah. Um, th- that's the one thing I like about the guys that they brought in, like Brown, the wing player that they got. Like, those guys are coming in. You know, they have athletic ability. They they can score. Um you know, they can get to the basket, but th- those guys are actually coming in trying to prove themselves. Maybe not for this team. Maybe they won't fit on this team for uh, contractual reasons, but just in general, like you can tell they have an, a work ethic of I'm going to go out here and try to beat my guy, be responsible for my guy. And if I can pick up teammates, I'm going to do that as well. So I, I like the additions of those two players, but uh it's, I, I just wonder, like, why do I see this from Daniel Tice and I don't see this from Laurie Markkinen? <laughs> well, one reason uh, Daniel Tice said after uh, the game, this post-game interview, he says he takes defense personally. Uh, Laurie doesn't take defense personally. I don't really think he even defense really matters to him. Yeah, it's it's – it's very funny. Like you can tell who really doesn't care about defense by the guys who are going against them on offense. Like if a guy feels like he can get his shot off every single time going up against a certain player, then you can tell that that player is not really giving any type of effort on defense or they're just giving like, you know, just lackadaisical, lackadaisical effort. Look at Lori, and I'm like, you know, you don't have to try to block everybody's shot. 
but you you should be able to keep your man in front of you and at least provide some type of resistance for them trying to get their shot off or trying to get to the basket. I, I see guys like on a regular basis just licking their chops whenever they see Laurie coming at them. And that's that's very confusing to me because growing up when I was playing basketball and you know, a guy had some height on you, like it for you when you were trying to get your shot off, or it could have been a little bit intimidating. But it's really it really shows a lot when you see guys just attacking Laurie, who is a seven footer. Much effort on the defensive end. Right. Um, you know, um, the Bulls kind of had this soft identity before the trade. And you can say that Laurie still fits that soft category with the way he plays defense. Like you said, with the offensive players that go at him, even with him being seven feet, they're not really concerned about him blocking the shot. They're, they're going to take it right at him. And he still fits that soft category. Um, you know, uh, Cornishovas has said that even with the trades made at the deadline, that this team still was not finished. And we already know in the offseason that they're going to address, you know, a need for a point guard. And they're going to address needs for, you know, more 3 and D kind of guys, guys that are going to go out there and actually play defense. Um, definitely, you want to put defensive players who can, you know, knock down an open three-pointer around Zach and Vucevic. Yeah, and that's the thing. It's like this team does get good shot um, selections. And I'll say that by, like, them being able to – especially with uh, Levine on the court, like he draws so much attention. And then you have Vucevic who draws attention. But before that, even with them them passing the ball, the team was able to get good, you know, shots from the outside. The problem is, is that for whatever reason, you know, guys just weren't knocking down shots. And it's one thing if you are that guy who doesn't play any defense, but, you know, is a, a knockdown shooter, like whatever shot you make is going to go in. But when you look at this team, it's like, they're just, I don't know. There, there's so many deficiencies that go around with a lot of these players. Like you can't say this guy is excellent in this particular avenue of his game. That the other deficiencies that he has. I think that Laurie had a, a very good beginning of the year uh, once he got back healthy and he was even before he got health, healthy when he was on the court, he was putting up some some pretty good numbers. But now all of a sudden, well, not all of a sudden, like it's been through most of the year. He's decided to just become this stand, this standstill three-point shooter and that's not really his game he doesn't knock down three-point shots on a regular basis that you can just trust him to just stand in the corner and just hit like an open um, um and there's different ways, ways that laurie could be affecting the game he's just not doing it so like you know at, it was pretty funny i don't know if you saw that 
that little video. It was after a game. It was after a win where uh, Karnasovis was uh, fist pumping the guys that were <laughs> coming off the court. Yeah, I saw this. And like they got down to everybody, and uh, Lori was last. And by the time Lori got to him, he already had his back turned on him. Lori's out of here. Yeah. I don't know if that's a tell. His plans are for Lori moving forward with this team, but uh, it was um, it was pretty remarkable to see that. Yeah, I, I, I fully uh, I, I fully expect a sign and trade during the offseason involving Lari and Lonzo Ball. Well, you think they'll bring in like they'll do um the uh, Pelicans would be looking to take on Lori Markin? I don't think the Pelicans will take on whatever they can at this point. I mean, it, they're going to think, hey, we're getting a seven-foot shooter that can go around Zion. Um, you know, they, they wouldn't give up Lonzo during the trade deadline because they wanted, like, like this massive haul for Lonzo Ball, and nobody was going to do that with him being a, um, a restricted free agent in the offseason. I, I think what they're going to get offered is a sign and trade and, you know, involving Laurie Markin. Um, from what I, the reports I saw is Lonzo has interest from the Bulls and the Knicks. I don't really see the Knicks, like, giving up anything that would be better than a sign for Markin. Yeah, I mean, I know that, like, I think really looking at bringing on Markkinen out of the draft, like, like he would have been a, a target for them when he previously came out of the draft. But I don't, like, I don't really see, like, look, I'm, I, I, you already know that I'm skeptical on Lonzo Ball. I mean, yeah. the Lake, Lakers didn't want him when they were bad. Um. And he has two capable all-stars on his team that he didn't really make better. And people were going over, like, the number of three-pointers that he – there was, like, some game that he made. I think it was eight three-pointers in the game. But it was, like, against uh, Houston, if I'm not mistaken. Like, Houston's one of the worst teams in the league. Um, I don't see him making anybody around him better, which was supposed to be – one of his um, one of his calling cards was that he was going to like help accelerate the growth of the players around him. I don't see that happening. I don't see him being any type of transcendent talent. I don't, I don't understand people's love affair of, hey, if we get Lonzo Ball on this team, he's going to fix everything for this team going forward. Uh, you, you know, I'm not the biggest Lonzo Ball fan. Um, and he, he was playing a lot better this year until, you know, after the trade deadline. <laughs> and I, I kind of think that he he's 
like not giving his full effort now because he's still on the Pelicans after the um, trade deadline passed. But you know they, they they say his passing is his calling card and his defense, and you definitely need some type of defensive oriented guard in the backcourt with Zach. Um, especially when if they know how to run the offense. Um, I know Kobe has been back in the starting lineup uh, with Zach out, but you know he and he's had um, a pretty good assist to point uh, turnover ratio since he's back been back in the starting lineup. But Kobe's still like he he's just not that point guard. I'm, I'll say yet because he he still was learning that position this season. So I'll I'll say. Right now, Kobe is not the guy that's going to get the offense in order. Yeah, you know, I I think the mistake that the Bulls are making is trying to turn uh, Kobe into this, you know, read first, pass first type of point guard. Like, I think you need to, like, let Kobe do his... I like what he's doing right now. As far as... Far as you know, getting guys in the offense. And he's really been doing a lot better these past couple of games with just, like, facilitating plays, finding guys who are open. Still too loose with his handle. And there there are, like, a couple of plays where he, like, the ball would just get taken from him. Now, I think if you put him in the position where, you know, he's coming downhill and he has, like, maybe one or two options – that he's looking at I like those options and he, he just attacks the the basket. I like that better than trying to like make him read what everybody like what position everybody is supposed to be in for the um pulling, pulling everybody together. together. And really the offense should be how do we get this ball down low to Vooch? How do we get this ball to Zach on the perimeter? And everything else should fall into place. Like having him handle the ball with like a lot of time on the clock and just, you know, that's not really his strength. Right, right. Um, that's why people like they're, they they're in love with the idea of Lonzo because they feel that Lonzo will look to get the ball into the post of Vooch or to get it to Zach. Um where if it was a Kobe, he he's he's still not that pass first. He doesn't have that pass first mentality. He's, I mean, he spent last year playing the Ben Gordon role, where he's just coming in the game and scoring. So he still want to have that score first mentality. And as you said, he doesn't read the floor with everybody in mind. He kind of just has this this focus on one side of the floor that he's looking at and he's not even considering what's going on the other side of the floor and he he misses guys when he does that so so no it's best to still be put in the position where he can just come in and score well see that's the thing like I worry about like you know you have Zach and knows what to do with the ball 
um, as far as making decisions. You have Vooch, who can make very good reads from the post. If, if like, you've seen, like, uh, P. Will, he, he has some very capable abilities as far as facilitating offense as well. If P. Will, like, develops his game and grows that part of his game, like, doesn't it become, like, mute as far as continue, continue to develop that part of his game? Because I'm, I'm looking at some of the point guards in the league that we consider elite. Like, I'm looking at, like, Damian Lillard. Damian Lillard was not a great passing point guard when he first came into the league. And he's still, like, I'm not saying that he's a bad passing point guard, but that when he's on the court he's on that court trying to to take over games right even with um, Steph like Steph has become a much better facilitator once he came into the league and learned how to play the point guard position he wasn't a very good point guard when he came into the league uh despite putting putting up some pretty decent averages wasn't a very good facilitator as far as getting everybody involved and getting guys in the, in the correct um, positions. So that's why I'm like, can you like take what Kobe's abilities are and try to fit them around what the rest of the team is doing as long as like... <sighs> I mean, that's a very good question. Um... I mean, like I said, they're, they're, they're still trying to teach them this point guard position, um, which is the hardest position to learn in the NBA. Um, yeah. Now, last year, he, he he wasn't the point guard. He he didn't have to consider this, all of what he has to consider now with you know, trying to get guys in their spots and running the offense. So this is his first year, basically, being a point guard, so it's going to take time. That's why I said he's not that guy yet for the Bulls' um, offense. Uh, as far as you know, getting everybody where they need to be, and as I understand, that's why you know people are saying that the Bulls need to bring in a more traditional-minded point guard, and they went Lonzo Ball. Um, but I think you know, if you give Kobe time, he he will develop those skills yeah i believe the same thing like can you tell me for sure that any of the guys who are going to be coming out in the draft are going to turn into like point guards and elite no yeah i mean like even with um with um lonzo not lonzo but Lamelo ball like when he came in, everybody knew about his passing ability, but people were hesitant with his scoring ability too. And I was very hesitant even with his basketball ability because, you know, we didn't really get to see what he was able to showcase. And a lot of times in college systems, you know, they don't they don't really allow players to kind of ad lib and, you know, there, there's not – it's more you come down, the coach calls a play, and you run the play. 
whereas opposed in the NBA, yes, you are calling plays, but there is still that freedom that exists on the court. Um, we've been able to see the capabilities of LaMelo. Now, when I look at LaMelo and like going back to Lonzo, I don't see Lonzo being able to be the kind of player that LaMelo is. And Lonzo has more experience playing in this league. Can you tell me that he's going to like create mismatches from breaking guys down off the dribble? I don't think so. No. Can he create mismatches by being um, a shot creator? I don't really see that. So that's why I'm like, if you're if you were like going to pay somebody to take on that position, shouldn't it be somebody who affects the game like that you know is going to do that on a regular basis? As opposed to being like, well, we think that he's going to be able to do that on this team. Like, I haven't seen him do it on either one of the teams that he's been on currently. Right. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't. For the record, I, I want Malcolm Brogdon. Uh, that's who I would like for the Bulls to go out and get. Um, I think he offers you everything that you just addressed that Alonzo does not. <laughs> yeah. Um, only thing, you know, is, is he can stay healthy, but I, 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 I'm not a big Alonzo Ball supporter. Yeah, I just I don't get the love affair that people have with him. But, you know, the one thing I will say about Kobe is that he battles. Like, even when he gets down in a slump, he's still going to go out there. He'll make some stupid mistakes. I'm not going to take that away from him. Like, there are some boneheaded plays that he has made. These past couple of games, though, he's really kind of put that stuff to the side and, and been a lot more involved as far as being a playmaker. And, you know, it really is about... Your, um, like working yourself out of your weaknesses or your comfort. I remember, um, um, and it, like just like just a side note, like being in college, we, um, we performed as like a jazz group with our artists in residence. I don't know if you ever heard of Arturo Sandoval. Have you ever heard of him before? Nah. Okay, he's like a famous jazz uh, trumpet player. And, you know, he would come in and we would do concerts with him. He wasn't there throughout most of the year, um, but when he did come, he would bring in music and we would perform these concerts. He came in one day and the concert was that day. So we had, um, we had, um, we were playing, we were like, had a rehearsal. He dropped some music that we hadn't seen before. And the, the music call for you to be able so for somebody, somebody in the wind section, the um in like yeah, in the, the wind section to had to be able to play a fife. Now a fife is like a, a medieval instrument. We had to figure out who around Miami even sold this instrument, and somebody had to figure out a way to actually play the stuff on the chart. It could have been played with another instrument that a person was already familiar with, but he wanted somebody to play it off of a fife. <laughs> so they went around town trying to find somebody 
And then one, one of the saxophonists had to actually teach themselves this part, which was only like 15 seconds in length. But that's what he wanted. That's what the artist wanted. So we had to accommodate that. And the, the director, he said to him, hey, look, um, our, our student here, Dave, he's going to handle it because Dave is a musician. And that really impressed on me. Even though you only primarily played one instrument, as a, if you thought of, the, of yourself as a musician, you could stretch yourself and do things that you weren't quite familiar with or you were like wasn't necessarily in your comfort zone. And I, I look at some of these NBA players. Do you, you consider can yourself just a forward or do you consider yourself an NBA player? Are you a point guard or are you an NBA player? And I look at like guys like Lori and I'm like, like you're not living up to being a power forward. You're not living up to being a center. Like, are you somebody who is capable of stepping outside of their comfort zone? I'll give you this like years ago. Remember in that championship, LeBron James refused to post up uh, one of the shortest guys who had ever played in the league in Berea, who played as a point guard for the uh, Mavericks. Yep. He had to go back the next offseason. And he had to work on his post moves because they were lacking. So I looked. I'm like, do you consider yourself an NBA player or do you consider yourself like a position, a like a position player? And the, the league is moving away from is, is moving towards positionless basketball. And I just look at these guys and I'm like, what are you? Are you a professional like NBA <laughs> athlete or what are you? <laughs> so I know that's the long-winded way of me saying I can't stand Laurie Markkinen, <laughs> but yes. <laughs> well, uh, Billy's been playing um, at the three for the past few games. But yeah, if you're not going to get in there and bang with guys to try to get a rebound, it's like, what are you going to do? So he seems to be more comfortable just hanging out on the perimeter, waiting for the ball to come to him. Uh, he did make a couple of that last, last game against game. the Heat, but even still, I was like, dude, you have when you came into the league than what you're turning out to be right now. Man, uh... I, I know you just gave this this long-winded <laughs> response of how you can't stand Laurie Marketing. I'm going to bring up a very short-winded that I cannot stand Denzel Valentine. <laughs> <laughs> I want him off of the team immediately <laughs> after that shot against the Heat in the first game that we played the Heat. Down four, he pulls up. Uh, with 19 seconds on the shot clock from 30 feet, nobody in position to rebound. It was just the absolute dumbest shot I've seen all season. Okay, but, okay, I understand what you're saying. And you are right in having those <laughs> thoughts. But there are games that when, when, when uh, not window, but when, um, when he's in there, um, 
I'm I'm looking at him and when he gets hot, he gets hot. You know, right? Like from the from the perimeter, when he gets hot, he can make down make some outside shots. When you need for him to rebound, he's a capable rebounder. When you need for him to like pass the ball passing the ball and getting and like, you know, really running the offense. The problem is is that you never know which one of those guys you're going to get. And it could be if he's playing 10 minutes or if he's playing like 30 minutes. I think in that particular occasion, he might have just been on the court a little longer than he should have been. There was no excuse from the shot that he took at the end of the game because it was like you had 54 seconds left. But you also have to think, well, wasn't it his play and the play of Kobe White that kind of kept them in the game in the first place? So I get what you're saying with them. But it's one of those things, at least as far as him being on the team right now, you kind of have to take the bad with the good. And I know I'm kind of coming off as like a Valentine supporter, which I'm not. But at least he stays in the game and tries to compete. He, he's got to go. <laughs> <laughs> I tried my best, Denzel. I tried my best. There, there's a, a thread on Twitter that is titled Denzel Valentine is the worst NBA player in history. <laughs> and it has multiple examples of him just doing stupid things from the three-pointer that he shot the other night to that game where, you know, Zach was coming down to try to hit a game winner and he runs into Zach, <laughs> basically sets a pick on Zach. <laughs> it is it, it, just a, a ton of examples and there are a lot of people who feel that he is robbing the NBA by getting paid to play. <laughs> okay, but honestly, <laughs> Denzel is, hasn't been the worst player <coughs> on this team this year. No, that's still Felicia. Okay, even Felicia, like... <laughs> I would say Cornette was the worst Bulls player the past two years. Nah, I'm not putting him on. I'm not putting Felicia over anybody. Wait a minute. Like, Cornette was brought in, supposed to be like a, a stretch big. At any point in his time in a Bulls jersey, did he fulfill that? small requirement that they had for him. Like, you don't have to rebound. It's just like, when you get an open shot, can you knock down open shots? At any yeah. point, did Cornette fulfill that responsibility? Yes, he had one game. <laughs> he had one game where he fulfilled it. Okay, maybe I should have rephrased my question. <laughs> Did he have like a couple of games that he was able to string together to fulfill that? No, no, he didn't. No, no. 
I wouldn't say that Denzel is the worst player in the league. Like, there's there's still a, a bunch of knucklehead players. Like, even like if you just take J.R. Smith, <laughs> like is he is he in I, the league? You know, I don't even know. I thought he might have been like the late. You know, J.R. Smith, like, you can't tell me that Denzel has trumped J.R. Smith. I mean, J.R. Smith has hit a lot of big shots. He's got some rings. (laughs) He's got some rings because he's played with, like, arguably the greatest player in the NBA. Um. Not like ever, but in the NBA the past, what, 10, 15 years? Hey, he's got rings. (laughs) He's hit big shots. He has done some bonehead stuff. I mean, I remember just being in the Miami area. Like, I don't know if you know Mario Chalmers, but. Yeah, <laughs> some bone-headed decisions. Man, he was always he was, getting yelled at. <laughs> yes, it was like every single game. Wade, LeBron, they were, were like going, going on, on him, him, like on multiple occasions with him making boneheaded plays. So I don't know if you can necessarily say that Denzel Valentine is the worst. player in a uniform for the NBA. And that's a bit of, to be like the worst player ever, but what he, about Kwame crazy. Brown? Oh, man. <laughs> you remember Kwame Brown? <laughs> Kwame is definitely in the running for worst okay. player ever. Yes. Um, who else? I mean, this would be an interesting list if, like, we took the time to actually break it down as to who could be considered, like, the worst player in NBA history. Um, Popeye yeah. Jones. You remember who? him? <laughs> I'm like, you remember him? You're just like, who? Who was that? Popeye Jones. Popeye Jones. Jones. Yep. <laughs> I remember Popeye Jones. Definitely up there for um, the worst. <laughs> and like, I wouldn't say like this next name was one of the worst players. He was actually a good, a very good player, but he would just make some of the most boneheaded decisions as far as getting like technical fouls or getting fouls called on him. Rasheed Wallace. Rasheed Wallace had some uber talent, but man. Decision on the court. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I'll give you that. He he <laughs> he was definitely known for drawing some technicals that caused yeah. this team. I'll tell you somebody who I was frustrated with in a Bulls uniform was um, Carlos Boozer. Oh man. <laughs> because like Boozer knew, like you knew when he wanted to go to the bench in the second quarter because he will always pick up these stupid ticky tack fouls that needed to be called on him because they were in fact fouls, but he would always give the ref like this stupid expression on his face. 
But you knew he just wanted to go to the bench because it was the second quarter and he wanted a break. Like <laughs> you knew cruise. that's why he would do it. <laughs> the booze cruise. <laughs> oh man, I couldn't stand Carlos Boozer. <laughs> no, I couldn't either. <laughs> like so much that if I had a choice between Carlos Boozer and Laurie Marketing, I would allow Laurie to stay on the team ahead of Carlos Boozer. Oh, and- you have to. <laughs> you have to. Boozer and that stupid uh, spray painted hair he had. <laughs> oh, I don't know if there was a more frustrating player that the Bulls had ever signed besides Carlos Boozer. Uh, campaign, uh, Marcus T. Yeah, yeah, like we, we're like throwing out like the other, like <laughs> campaign. You can't tell me that Denzel was worse than campaign. Nah. And Marcus Teague might have been the worst player I've ever seen play. <laughs> I'm glad you mentioned him because, like, coming out of college, I didn't think that he was ready to be a starting caliber. I didn't however think that he was capable of being a good, solid backup in the league. And he was the worst pick that I have ever seen from a bull put on a bull's uniform. I'm sorry. That no. boy was bad. He 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 wasn't worth being a third string. Um you know he, he had the nickname of D League Teague before the D League became <laughs> <laughs> before the D League became the G League we called him D League Teague. <laughs> like this guy doesn't deserve to be in the NBA at all. Yeah. Marcus T was terrible. Trying to think of like who else. Um, yeah, Dickie Simpkins was better than Marcus T. <laughs> I'm gonna oh, I'm gonna man. throw that name out there. Pete Myers was better than Marcus T. Pretty much anybody who's touched the basketball <laughs> ever <laughs> is better than Marcus T. <laughs> Campaign, even when he was in a book, <laughs> was better than Marcus T. Campaign has thrown has turned himself into a pretty decent player in Phoenix. I don't know what it is that got into him or if he just really decided to take his craft a lot more serious, but he's Chris turned Paul. into a, a decent. Yeah, I guess Chris Paul does have that ability to sprinkle his magic on people, turn them into capable players. But yeah. Um, Marcus T. Woo, man, that's one of the worst NBA players I've ever seen. <laughs> Just terrible. If you could like find a way to get Stacey Just to get his opinions on the worst players who have been <laughs> in the league, I think we could do a whole entire show on that. <laughs> worst players in the league ever. Uh, yeah, I, I think that would be a pretty interesting <laughs> episode. <laughs> Especially if Stacy's on, he's, you know, <laughs> giving examples and, you know, uh, stories against playing some of these guys. Like, you're so bad, like, you couldn't even make the Shaq than a fool episodes. <laughs> That's how bad you were. Oh, man. 
So when is Levine coming back? Um, I think Wednesday is no the fourteenth day of um him being in the protocol. They say it's ten to fourteen, so it's he's at the back end of that. Um, so so you mean today? Oh yeah, today, today. I'm sorry, I forgot. I was well, I was say. asking because I wasn't sure if you were talking about. Today, yeah, so that's, that's why I was trying to. Yeah, I forgot it was Wednesday. Um, so yeah, they they don't know if he'll like clear all the NBA's tests because they have to do like cardiac tests and everything in time to practice tomorrow to play on Friday's game. So maybe Saturday is when he'll be back. And they got tonight is the Knicks, right? Yeah, we played the Knicks tonight. And then Friday, who is that? Friday is the Bucks. Bucks. Okay, so that's definitely going to be a loss. <laughs> unless, see, that's the thing that's been bothering me about these this team's losses. Like they have come across teams that are missing a bunch of guys. Like it's it's funny. Like hearing so many people on Twitter, like fans, like oh, see. See what he's able to do uh, when he's given the opportunity. And I'm like, dude, Wendell got owned by, like, second and third stringers. I don't want to hear anything about Wendell Carter. I wish him well in his journeys in the NBA. But, you know, I don't I don't want to <laughs> what Wendell Carter is doing. Even when Laurie is not on this team next year, and I guarantee you he won't. I don't want to hear, like, if he blows up and starts scoring, like, 20 points a game regularly, I don't want to hear it because you've had guys on this team who have been given opportunity. opportunity. So, oh. you know, we saw when when um, Laurie, talent players, just turn into a shell of himself or a shell of what we thought he was capable of. So I'm like, I don't I don't want to hear anything else about those guys. Yeah, um, I mean, well, I believe Wendell's playing better than he did here, but I think that just goes to show that the lights are a, bit, a little bit too bright in Chicago. Yeah, and that's, you know. Well, what do you say about that? Because it's not like he was really, like he was, when he first got here, he was had to battle Robin Lopez, but essentially, like you knew that that center position was going to be turned over to him, and he flashed very well in his first year. Um, but after that, it's like, do you know how to score? Do you know how to get into the post? Do you know how to make outside shots? If I give the, if you catch the rebound, like, do you know what a putback is? Like, just simple things that you thought that he would have grasped when he was in a Bulls uniform. Like now you see him. Like Like he's putting up some better numbers. But even like recently, you know, um, he went and played against Indiana. The guy who was starting at Indiana had a good game on him. Um, Another game they were playing. I forget who they they were playing against, but it was a blowout. And Carter had like a typical Carter game. Four of 11, no free throw sh- shots taken. I think he had like eight or nine rebounds. Um, 
maybe two assists and scored 11 points. So, you know, it is what it is with him. Yeah, uh, pretty much. Um, so, yeah, we, we've got 11 games left to try to make this push to get in front of the Wizards for this last playing spot. <laughs> We play the Knicks tonight, and the Wizards play the Lakers. Are the Knicks fully healthy? I believe they are. See, that's the thing. Like to me, is like you should be able to just double Julius Randle and dare everybody else. Yeah, I think. They are healthy. Um, like, I know Rose is on that team, and he's had a pretty good year, uh, but even before he got to the Knicks. But, like, who else do they have that's on that team that is, like, a capable player? They have Taj Gibson. Yeah, but you got, like, 55-year-old Taj Gibson on your team. <laughs> like, um, R.J. Barrett. Yeah, people have been saying, like, R.J. Barrett doesn't, like, really have to really worry about. Now, I'm not saying, like, saying this as, like, just looking at this Bulls team, because we've already know this Bulls team is lost to lesser talented teams. But, um, yeah, I'm just, like, as an opponent going in, R.J. Barrett doesn't scare me. Right. Um... Yeah, with Alfred, Alfred Payton is he's on the Knicks, right? Is he still on the Knicks? I think he's on the Knicks. I believe he is. And I know that that guy that they signed up. He's on the Knicks. Yeah, he's on the Knicks. Nerlens Noel. Uh, they have like a guard slash Reggie forward. Bullock. Yeah, Bullock. Came over from Detroit, right? Yep. Like, he's a capable guy to knock down some open shots. But it's like, overall, is that a scary team that you have to worry about? Like, has so many offensive weapons, it's just going to overwhelm you? No. Okay, so the injury report is Mitchell Robinson and Alec Burks are out for the Knicks. Troy Brown and Zach are out for the Bulls. What's Troy Brown dealing with? Uh, left sprained ankles. Oh, oh, okay. But, you know, like, I think, like, when you, like, going back to what I said about this being an evaluation for the players, we have to remember, like, it's not just the players who the Bulls have really purged. Like, their front office was purged. Right. The medical staff was purged. Purge. Thank God. <laughs> the uh the trainers were purged. So like from top to bottom, like this team was not being run the way it was supposed to have been run. So it really like when we think about it from that standpoint, we shouldn't be surprised, even with the infusion of talent that they had with getting Vucevic here. We, we really shouldn't be surprised at what we're seeing with the turnover that's going on with this team. Yeah, I agree. Um, 
you know, it's everybody, you know, we got a second all-star. We're like, okay, we're definitely going to get into the play-ins, playoff. You know, the corner show was said, of course, that's the goal for the team, making playoffs, getting that experience. And now we're fighting with the Wizards for that last play-in spot. And our schedule from here on out is the Knicks, the Bucks, Atlanta, Philly, Charlotte, Boston, Detroit, Brooklyn, Toronto, Brooklyn, and Milwaukee. <laughs> yeah, that's not an easy lineup. <laughs> it's not an easy lineup at all. Like, what is there, like seven, eight teams above 500 on that list? Yeah. And see, I'm not, like, I don't want to be, like, the downer or, like, set the bar low for the Bulls. But, you know, I was texting you before. I was like, what is the percentage that these this team has of getting a top four lottery <laughs> draft pick? Like, if you could get a top four lottery draft pick to add with P-Will, um, Zach, and Vooch, and Kobe, like, is is that really a bad thing? No, that, that would actually be a great thing. And I think the last time I saw it, it's like a 20% chance that we, you know, move into the top four. It, let's say like the Bulls like did make the plan. Do you see them really advancing in the playoffs? No. No. So it's like, what, what are we really fighting for? And I, I'm always for like teams like trying to get into the playoffs um, and not really handing out like um, the guys who are just good players. Like I feel like you should hand that out to guys who are like in the upper echelon of NBA level of talent or just take the money that you have and kind of like disperse it around some solid guys who fit into different roles, but not overpay anybody. But if the Bulls can land some cheap talent in uh, the top four and what is supposed to be a you know, like they weren't talking about last year's or this year's draft of being any good, I thought this year's draft had a lot of different high caliber players in it. Um, but yeah, if you, to land a top four pick. I think that that's, that's something that you have to consider. Maybe like shutting Zach down for the rest of the year or, you know, doing what you have to do. Not saying a tank, but. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, I, I, I just know they want the team to get into the playoffs to get that experience. You know, Zach has never made the playoffs, so they want to get the Bulls into the playoffs also. So, you know, when it comes time to re-sign Zach, he'll look at it like, hey, we made the playoffs, but we're building here. Um, you know, that was a big part of them trading for a booch is – to know, show Zach, hey, we're, we're we're trying and we're trying to build a winner here and with you. So that's like the main thing of 
trying to make the play in this season. Yeah, I get that. Like you, you want guys to have that experience, especially Zach, since he's never been to the playoffs. But do they like? Do they have that real talk with him? Like, hey, we got you, and we got Booch. <laughs> that alone should be enough to get you into the playoffs next year. You give uh, some more seasoning to P. Will. You let. Kobe continue to grow and we add another high caliber draft pick and we have money to spend in free agency to land somebody else. Like that could be a sell job too. Yeah. Um, no, I, I, I don't know. I don't know if we'll sneak into the top four and keep our draft pick, but I, I think that it's a good chance that, you know, corner show was maybe able to trade into the first round somehow. Maybe find somebody that uh take Denzel Valentine. <laughs> or like maybe like a signing trade. No, like just trade trade somebody to get a pick like you no know, like fourteenth or something. Like in the first round. Yeah, that's true. I still think like that uh Thad still has some some um he has some you know, he has a good contract. Sato has a good yeah. contract. Yeah, those those potential guys that are that can be traded. Um because here here's the thing. They need to keep Daniel Thice. Um, yes. Like people saying like the Bulls have like, you know, might price themselves out of being able to hold on to Tice. I'm like, dude, you know that Tice can play. Right. So it, it, it's it's kind of come down to, you know, the Bulls can have cap space, but they can only keep one of Thad and Tice. I would keep Tice over Thad. Yeah, he has low post skills. He has the ability to knock down outside shots. He can definitely uh, like some some gritty uh, defense in the inside. And he's um, younger. And he's younger. Yeah. So I I, I can see them, you know, moving Thad for a first round low first round draft pick and still being able to draft this year. Yeah, like if you get that and even Sato, Sato has value too. Like he hasn't been playing like it, but he does have some value. <laughs> yeah, so I, I see them finding a way to still be able to get a draft pick in the draft. Um and I, I trust Cornishovis picking, you know, drafting way more than, you know, Gar Foreman drafting at yes. anywhere in the first round. Like, even looking at the um, the Thunder, like, how many drafts? <laughs> All of them. Next year, yeah. <laughs> Is anybody else even drafting? It's just... It's just the thunder. <laughs> and with the picks one through 32. 
We will be handing that over to the Oklahoma City Thunder. Oh, man. It's insane how many draft picks they have yeah. stashed over there. So, and you, you know they're not going to keep all of those draft picks. It wouldn't make any sense for them to keep all of those draft picks unless you were like the Boston Celtics who just accumulate draft picks and never really do anything to move them. Um, yeah, it, it wouldn't make sense for them to keep all of the draft picks that they have moving forward. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. But here we are once again. With trying to get to this playing spot and hoping for the best, preparing for the worst. I mean, let's see what they can do against Tibbs' defense tonight. Yeah, I mean, well, the thing about like Tibbs' defense, like he, he, you see, he's not really playing any of his young guys <laughs> a whole bunch. Uh, like even Obi Toppin, like their their top draft pick from lat, from this year, um, what is he like averaging? Like maybe like nine or ten minutes a game, if even. Um, so he's going with a lot of veterans and playing them a lot of minutes, which is typical. Typical tips. <laughs> yeah. Um, I didn't know if they would gel into being this good of a defensive team, but they have. Uh, the one thing I have seen about like Tibbs teams, even when he was here um, in Chicago, like the team always tried to search for the best possible shot. And they, they had like a more methodical approach about them. Like you didn't see them trying to like, you know, run up and down the court and, and just. In the, the shot clock, they have to be one of like the top teams who like uses the full entire shot clock in the NBA. I don't think their pace of play is very high. Nah. I don't think Tibbs' team's pace has ever been really high. Yeah. But we'll see. I mean, like, it's it should be a pretty decent battle tonight. I thought that the, um, the Bulls played the Heat fairly well. Yeah. And that was, that was in Miami, wasn't it? So, I mean, that's more than a capable team who didn't even have Oladipo playing. Um, I don't know why, like, um, Duncan Robinson is able to kill this Bulls team every single time they play. Um, But, again, that's about recognizing your mismatches. Like, yes, maybe Duncan Robinson has a hot hand from outside. He's not a good defender whatsoever. You should be making him have to defend you either in the post or having to chase guys off the screens. The Bulls really didn't take advantage of that. So hopefully this team gets better with looking at where they have an advantage over guys and, and taking advantage of it. Yeah. Um, for some reason, they just kept losing Duncan Robinson. And he was just getting these wide open shots. 
Yeah, that I don't know how that's possible. Just, it's not like the Heat have a whole bunch of shooters on their team. At all. I, I, I can understand, like, how it was one play where he's coming down. And he's the trailer on the play. And nobody, like, realizes that he's trailing the play and he just walks into a wide open three. And I was yeah. like, are you kidding me? <laughs> Yeah, I don't know what was more frustrating of listening to that because I had to listen to some of that game on uh, satellite radio, and then I was able to see some of it on my uh, tablet. But yeah, it, it was very it, frustrating listening to it on the game on the uh, on the radio. Got more frustrating watching it on the tablet until <laughs> like they actually started pulling themselves out of the hole that they were in. Right. I was going to say it was a lot more frustrating actually seeing it happen. Yeah. Well, I mean, we'll see. It always comes down to heart. If this team plays with heart, games, if they they don't, don't. they're going to get embarrassed. Yeah. Hopefully, you know, everybody is going to take it serious. They're going to take it personal. Um, if they truly want to make it into this play-in, because you're only one game back from getting in. And like I said, the Wizards, you know, they're they're playing the Lakers. Anthony Davis is back. I'm not sure if LeBron's back, but if the Bulls can get a win tonight and the Wizards lose, you're right, you're right back there. I'm not. I'm not exactly sure how tough the Wizards' remaining schedule is, though. I know the Bulls is 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 not kind. Yeah, but see, the the good thing about like where the Bulls are at, even with playing these teams that are coming up, you know, a lot of these teams that are have already pretty much cemented their their place in the. You know, but you're going to see more teams resting guys coming down. Um, hopefully that's something we'll see like in these Milwaukee games. I don't know what their standing is, but it's like with only their third in the East, their third. So like, are they like that far out of second place or that far out of fourth place that they're going to like really be trying to win all of these games? I, I think, I think pretty much they're going to be third, third. Okay. So, like, there is the chance that they are going to see a lot of guys being. At least with that last game, game, I wouldn't expect to see Milwaukee having any of their starters on the court in that last game. I don't know. (laughs) All they need is Giannis. (laughs) That's true. That is true. So again, we'll see what it is. Like, who's about actually putting in some effort, and who is just going to like pack it in? Moving forward, I think honestly, not not to keep piling on Lori. I think he's packed it in since like the middle of the year, maybe even before that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 
So, I, mean, I don't know. All we can do is hope for the best, prepare for the worst. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> you, you got any final thoughts you want to give? Um, besides the fact that if Lori were here in person on this radio, I'd like to say that I believe we have your replacement. Yeah. <laughs> like, can can you find a way to get him on the show just so I can tell him that <laughs> you are dispensable. You will not <laughs> figure paycheck from the Chicago Bulls. Can I say that? <laughs> You want me to try to get Laurie on the show? Just so I can just, tell him that. Just so you can tell him, get the hell out of here. <laughs> <laughs> we would not get any guests ever. <laughs> Wouldn't it be so worth it, though? <laughs> be hilarious what <laughs> uh. <laughs> tell the people where they can find you on Twitter so you can lead this get Lori out of Chicago movement um, at he said what sports hey get me at young Jordan uh, <laughs> you can find the podcast Twitter at Bull nothing in O T H I N. Um, you know, and we'll get back with an update on the playing situation, I'm sure, and just hope for the best, prepare for the worst, Bulls Nation. <laughs> Until next time. <laughs>